This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. You know who I can do without? I can do without the people in the video store. Which ones? All of them. This is Massive Late Feed with Mike and Mark. Well, hello, everyone. Welcome back to Massive Late Fee. With me, as always, is my co-host, Mike. How are you doing, Mike? Uh, not too bad. How are you? Good. I forgot to say that my name is Mark, and with us for this very special episode, I can't say we've had a good week. It has been good, but it hasn't been a full week yet, so I can't really say that. But uh, you may remember her from uh, when we used to do Massive Late Feed together, uh, starting back in 1994. My then-girlfriend, now-wife, Carol. How are you, Carol? Hey, what's up? <laughs> I've missed that <laughs> after, all, after all these years. It's funny. Oh, I know, 25 years. Yeah, well, I, we, the podcast ended you know, less than 25 years ago, but yeah, that's, that's when we started it, and uh, interesting kind of how it ended, but uh, yeah, I guess, I guess people will, will figure that out at some point. I guess. It was in all the papers. That's true. <laughs> so we are here, specially for you, this uh, this week, to talk about Black Mirror, the fifth season. Is it the fifth season, Mike? Yeah. The fifth season of Black Mirror just debuted. And since it's only three episodes long, we figured we would, instead of trying to go episode by episode or do some sort of deep dive that we would just give you guys a, a free extra special episode and kind of go through all of them at once. I know, Mike that and, and Carol, that part of the reason that this season is so short is because Bandersnatch isn't technically part of this season, but they worked on it during their work of this season. So I know they put a lot into that, and that's one of the reasons why it's a little shorter. I don't know about you guys, but Bandersnatch was okay, but I think I would rather have had two or three more episodes of this season than Bandersnatch. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I feel jipped. <laughs> um, I don't I don't know. I'm not a huge Black Mirror fan, so I don't feel especially, you know, like ripped off or whatever, so I'm fine either way. I didn't think Bandersnatch was that good, but... Yeah, I didn't like it that much either. But we uh, we will start, I suppose, with the first episode. I believe the first episode, it's so weird to try to figure out how they do this, because they go backward, but then they start to go in order. I don't know exactly what they're doing. But I guess we'll we'll start with the first episode, I think, is Striking Vipers. Yeah, it's Striking Vipers. I think it was. I think it's it's episode one. That's the order it came in for me, at least. I don't know. Maybe it was different. But yeah, uh, interesting episode. I guess I'll, I'll run through the plot real quick, and you guys can can comment uh, as you see fit. But uh, a man. Well, actually, I guess they start out when they're younger, and they first kind of meet up. We get a sense of the relationship. The the uh, Anthony Mackie plays the the main character uh, devotees of the Marvel universe might re- might recognize him as uh, it's not Hawkeye that's DC Falcon Falcon yeah that's right um Mike not even a Marvel fan <laughs> or not not a Marvel movie fan but knows who he is 
Uh, anyway, so he plays the main character. Uh, he and his girlfriend, have, you know, they're all kind of living together. And this uh, buddy of his has a girl, uh, like a regular girlfriend that they all kind of live together. And they start playing this video game, Striking Vipers. It's very reminiscent of Street Fighter 2 or, or Mortal Kombat, but I think probably more Street Double Dragon. Yeah, 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 a little bit of that too. And... You know, they you see they kind of bond and everything, and then it, it inexplicably glows eleven years later. Which because yeah, I think they were they were roommates at first, and like uh, Anthony, I don't know their character names. Anthony, the one guy's Carl. I don't remember the other guy's name, but he uh, he he and his girlfriend, like you know, they they had like met as roommates, and then like they eleven eleven years later, it shows they're married. Is really right. I guess why they did that. Yeah, and they have one child, and they want another one. And it's his birthday party, and he looks kind of miserable. They're at a barbecue. He's cooking burgers. He's got that thousand-yard stare where he's just kind of staring out at nothing. And his buddy comes over. They establish they haven't seen each other in a while. A year. Yeah, that he's he's downtown working. I think he works... As in in the music industry, in some capacity, I think is what he yeah, said. Yeah, that makes sense because I noticed at one point he's like at his work and he's wearing like a tank top. I'm like, where does this guy work? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so he he comes over and he gives him a new copy of this game. Uh, what uh, striking vipers X? It should be striking vipers triple X, <laughs> right? But. Uh, so he gives them that, and it's got this virtual technology. Uh, fans of Black Mirror will recognize that you know it's it's very similar to the technology in San Junipero, which allows them to go into the you know virtual heaven world, and the one in I believe it's just called USS Callister. Uh, the one that's yeah, I think you're right. Yeah, I know there's like a it's they call them the eggs or something. I can't remember what the name they use in this, but yeah. it's actually a pretty common thing. It's like basically a virtual construct of like a personality or something. Yeah, exactly. And uh, so that's what it hooks up to, and you can go into the game. So they do that, and pretty quickly, like he he picks a female character, which like Chun, a Chung Lee type character or something. Yeah, which they actually play the same characters they played like 17 or 11 years ago. You know, mm-hmm. they just have the same characters that they both like to play for some Right. Yeah, so they, they have favorite characters and, and they they start to fight a little bit. We get we get a, a, a view of the fight and everything. And then um, they roll around together. <laughs> and I said to Carol, I said to you, when... When they start doing that, I was like, what are they going to fuck? And they start making yeah. out. It's it's kind of weird. I don't, what did you think? Where did you first? Where did you think they were going with this, Carol? And kind of what did you think of it? So almost immediately when, you know, it was a girl and a guy, I thought, yeah, they're going to end up having sex in there. But I thought it was intentional. I thought maybe even in the beginning, like way back, maybe, you know, something was going on there. Yeah, I I, I didn't get a lot of sense when they were just playing the the game 11 years ago of anything you know it just it was it was a very quick kind of just like slice of life thing i guess this is where these people were that's why it was so jarring to me when they when they yeah. moved 11 years into the future because i'm like okay they you know 11 years from now they're basically different characters they're different people uh, cuz they've changed a lot 
But I mean, I guess I kind of. They had a little bit of stuff, like, you know, where he was like ignoring his, like, you know, his wife to like play games with his friend. You know, he obviously had like a pretty deep, you know, relationship with his friend at that point. Mm hmm. Yeah. And I think, I guess the point of this episode is probably video game addiction and, yeah. and you know, mixed in with how we sexualize everything, like any technology. I'm guessing that's sort of the lesson they're going for. Because, like, See, yeah, go ahead. I don't really think there was a point to the episode. I don't think they really clearly illustrated or, you know, even, like, came close to, like, an actual... I mean, obviously, there's, like, some weird, like, sexual relationship between the two of them that only manifests in, like, a virtual environment. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, at the end of the episode, they even try it out. Like, you know, they, they meet up in person and kiss, and just neither of them neither of them feels anything, you know, from it. Right. Yeah. Actually, Carol, you can speak to this point a little bit, since you're the female here. Uh, Carol... I, I was saying that, you know, it's sort of interesting that the guy likes to be a girl while they're they're having sex and that he talks about how it feels different and everything, which obviously it would. I mean, Mike and I don't know what that feels like, but uh, Car- Carol's point of view is that it wouldn't really happen that way. That Yeah, speak on that a little bit. Well, no, I was just saying I don't think that he would really be able to experience what it's like to have sex as a woman because you don't have the same parts. I mean, you're, yeah, okay, arousal feels like arousal, but as far as the actual act of sex, there's no way that his body could feel that or his mind could understand that. Yeah, see, I'm, it's it's always very vague in the Black Mirror universe exactly what time period they are and what level of technology they have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, at different points, it seems almost. I mean, I don't know that they. I mean, it's hard it's, for me to even tell if they they're implying that he could clearly mimic like the human brain and like the female version and have that same experience, or if that's even possible with a level of technology because they're just very vague on it. Like this, the only really highly advanced technology in this episode is like they have like holograms everywhere. Like the guy's playing with pinball and it's like holographic pinball at one point. Yeah, because you know, in that in that USS Callister one, they're it's like he's not the main character is not or the main bad guy, whatever you want to call him, is not actually there. I mean he's there, but it's more it's more just like a virtual thing that where he can feel sensation. The, the reason that the other characters are, you know, quote-unquote, actually there is because he puts their DNA in that DNA sequencer and recreates them inside the virtual universe. But in San Junipero, when technology seems to have advanced, it, it seems clear that their, I mean, their consciousness, at least, is really inside that world with those avatars. So I'm not sure, like you said, I'm not sure what what level of technology we're dealing with if it's just if it's just a, like a, a virtual reality construct then you know I, I kind of agree with carol that he probably can't experience it at least not exactly like a, a real woman can experience it yeah i'm sure but i mean it, i mean it's hard to tell ever if they're saying oh technology is at the point where you are have a woman's brain and body you know mm-hmm. going to this game I, I just don't know and they never you know bother to clarify yeah and and that's part of, and Black Mirror can be vague about that stuff, but basically, I mean, basically they start they get addicted to it and they start doing it all the time, and he shirks a lot of responsibilities with his with his wife with his kid. You know, he's getting his kid to bed. You know, just so that he can go and you know fuck his friend, um, or the you know the avatar of his friend, and 
you know, it comes to a head where she sees, starts to see that things are wrong. He cuts it off. And the other guy is completely obsessed with doing this. And then, like you said, Mike, eventually they they meet in real life. They kiss in real life to see, you know, if, as he says, if it's a gay thing. And they don't feel anything for each other. So it's just something in the virtual world, just some connection they have there. He And this is the thing. He also mentions how he tried other people. He tried yeah. other guys. He tried other things. And a polar bear. Yeah, and nothing yeah. was nothing was the same as this guy. So I mean, that leads me to believe that there's something more to it, whether it's this connection they have, or I don't know, Anthony Mackie, you know, wanting the freedom that his friend has, or you know, wanting to. I don't know. I like I'm I'm floundering around searching for something because, like you said, Mike, this was an okay episode, but. It wasn't as focused as a lot of Black Mirror episodes are. Where you yeah, go, I mean, the, yeah, go ahead. I had no, I mean, I had no issues with any. Of the the acting was really, you know, good from all parts. The the computer graphics were really cool, and they showed them like showing up in the virtual world. I mean, it was an interesting premise, but I, I just feel that they didn't finish the whole idea. Yeah, I agree. It it definitely does seem like a half finished idea to me. I mean, but at the same time, you know, there's so many, like, you know, things you could just kind of, you know, imagine that it's trying to tell you and they could all be right. I mean, it's like kind of like a very shotgun type approach to, you know, ideas and thoughts. I mean, you know, there's a whole issue of like separating sex from love and that sort of thing, which you could take from it. You could take up, you could take from it that Carl is like a transgender person, you know, that he enjoys being a female, but he's, you know, you know, male body. There's just a ton of stuff you take from it. They never really give you any guidance or really any idea. I don't even know what the director or writer thought about this episode, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, and you know, there are instances where I guess that can be kind of satisfying. But I'm more of a, like, I like plot. I'm more of a person that likes to know, kind of like you said, likes to know what the director and the writer are trying to say. Um, and then just, you know, for my opinion, based on that, I'm not as huge of a open-ended kind of person. There are a few movies that have been like that where I'm like, okay, that's satisfying. I can interpret things in, in a few different ways. But even then, usually they give you a little more structure, a little more guidance as far as what the the overall message of the episode is. What, sure, what, yeah, this... Well, it seems like they just like didn't have have an ending in mind, you know. It's like it's like, oh, hey, it wouldn't be cool if we did this, and it's like, well, how does it? I'm like, uh, I'm not really sure, you know. And Carol, what did you think about how the ultimate resolution? Because he tells his wife what's what's going on, and the ultimate resolution it seems to be that once a year he can go into this virtual world and have sex with his friend, and I guess she gets to go out in the real world. And have sex with somebody else. Well, like I said, it's not the same. I mean, she is putting her actual body out there and opening their relationship up to outside threats as far as disease and pregnancy. I mean, they were they just had another baby. Mm-hmm. What if she gets pregnant again? Are they going to even know if it's his? Um, so I, I don't think it's quite the same. But I, I think another message that could have been coming from the episode is you know what it did to their marriage i mean there's a separation there Mm -hmm. that you know the technology you know separating people again yeah that seems to be kind of an overall thing with black mirror where uh, you know a lot of episodes are 
about that and usually about something else too. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's that's probably as close as we'll get to a, a thesis statement to the episode of just how how it causes separation. Although it it opened up an entire new area of of closeness or whatever with him and his friend, I guess. I, I guess. Yeah, it could also be like another like you know idea that's present here is like separating you know sex from love. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously the human mind is a very complicated thing, and you know there's a lot of evolutionary things going on there. But I mean, in this, in a sense, you know, he 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 likes his friend and he likes having sex with him, but he's not going to leave his wife for his friend. Right. And his wife enjoy. I mean, I don't know if they're even implying his wife is having sex with these men or just enjoys the flirt, flirtation aspects of it. Oh yeah, that's, that's true, true because we never see her actually cheat. She just. She, like, when she got hit on by that guy, she liked the thrill. Right. She said it was exciting, you know. I mean, for all, I mean, they're not physically doing anything. And she might, they might have even told her that they didn't, they tried and it didn't work. You know, I mean, it's, it's a really a weird idea. I mean, especially like, you know, in today's day and age where, you know, there's plenty of people who are having like, you know, these like emotional relationships with people mm-hmm. and there's like no, you know, physical attraction, but it's still, I mean, it's really like a lot of interesting questions about what's cheating, you know, what's love what's you know what's you know going beyond the borders that were agreed upon in our relationship well that is what carol and i talked about the most in this episode i think is is you know what is cheating i guess and and i mean i'm pretty firmly on the on the side of that you know what they were doing was cheating and and you know like i mean even like you were talking about mike even like emotional uh cheating and stuff like that i mean i think all of those things are dangerous to relationships and technology opens up a lot of avenues of those possibilities where you know we've all read stories about people on Facebook or or whatever hooking up with with former relationships or or friends or or any, something like that and even if they don't actually physically cheat on each other it damages or in some cases even destroys marriages because you know there's like you said Mike there's there's sex and then there's the emotional side of the relationship too. And ideally those two things, uh, sort of, you know, hook up and and coincide. But if you're denying one of those to your partner, you know, that can lead to a lot of problems. So if you're confiding in, in other people instead of your partner, then that's, that's another Avenue where things can get messed up. Yeah. It's almost like, you know, how you'll hear people say like, Oh, that's my work wife or my work Uh husband or that kind of thing. I mean, is that, I mean, if you're telling them or, you know, more intimate with them in certain aspects than your actual wife or husband, is that, is that cheat? It's, you know, it's, it's obviously like a border each person has to define in their own relationship. Yeah. I hate like with my wife work wife, work husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kara's right. always not like that. Right. Like with my wife and I, like we both like, you know, if I, if I see an attractive woman, I look at her in front of her, she's not insulted. She doesn't think I'm going to run off and, you know, leave her and my two children. And, you know, similarly, <laughs> if she sees an attractive woman and looks at her, I'm not upset by that. I... <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, I mean, it's just, I mean, it's each person has their own threshold and, you know, hopefully you and your partner have the exact same, you know, ideas or it's going to be weird or emotionally, you know, rot for some reason, you know, between the two of you, if you don't have like, you know, have you, it's, it's a good idea to discuss that, I guess. Is oh what yeah, I'm for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that we have discussed it uh, at great length. Like there is no doubt in my mind where that threshold is for us. Right. But I know as a young person, 
I was all about just trying to push that envelope all the time. And yeah. You know, I think that comes with the maturity of a relationship. Yeah, I, I agree. And and I will vow to you right now that uh, Mike and I will never have sex in a virtual reality video game. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, and it's like it's like too. It's like you know. I mean, it could even be a comment on like pornography. Like if you're like mm-hmm. someone watches pornography on the internet, some people think that's cheating. I think the idea of that being cheating is ridiculous, personally. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's like you know, to some people, that's like, oh, I mean, in a sense, he was going online and you know, watching or engaging in a sexual, you know, I mean, there's another person, but I mean, you could say that's about pornography. I mean, there's so many loose ends in this episode, you really have no idea what it's even trying to say. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. So I guess uh, we've pretty much rang that one dry. We'll, right. <laughs> we'll move on to the second episode, uh, Smithereens. This was a pretty interesting episode. A, uh, I would say a darker-ish episode. Maybe maybe the darkest one of the series. Or not the series, but the darkest one of this season. For sure. Well, well the British version of series is a season, so you are technically correct. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But, uh, so it starts out with a man sitting, uh, it's like an Uber or Lyft. Uh, I think, I can't remember what they call, what they call it. It's not either one of those things, obviously. Uh, it's, you know, some company they've created, but he's sitting out, he's sitting out in front of this building called, and it's the building is, uh, for the social media company Smithereen, which is a weird name for a social media company anyway, but He's he's sitting out there. It's probably a reference to the uh, the UK band. You know, is it Johnny Marr and the Smithereens? Oh yeah, that's are, right. Are the Smiths short for the Smithereens? I can't remember. There's something to do with Smithereens on like British music. I think that that might be what it is. But so he's sitting out there. He picks up a woman and he's meditating while uh, while he's doing this. He's um, just kind of sitting there and going through this this mantra. Which is another thing that the people do now where they, you know, they have these apps, these meditation apps, they're, they're everywhere and people will, you know, meditate in their cars or meditate, you know, sitting on their bed or whatever. I used to do it in my car before job interviews. But, um, so he, he would, um, he'd sit there and then this woman, you know, uh, wants a ride. So he takes it. And he picks her up and asks if she works in the building. And she says no. And then she's, you know, just chatting or whatever. And Carol picked up on this right away. She said, uh, he looks pissed. He lo- like, he looks angry at this. And, of course, we find out why he's so angry that this woman doesn't work at this building. Um, and then we kind of we go to a support group uh, after that with, the you know, all these people talking about loved ones that they've lost and this woman tells a very uh heart-rending story about her daughter uh, having committed suicide while she was at the university and she doesn't know why she she blames herself this i think this this story that she tells this monologue that she has is, is pretty well written because this might be one of the only times where i've watched a tv show or a movie where i kind of got it no one and i mean knock on wood but no one really close to me i i knew one person that committed suicide but they were they were like a tangential friend basically um not someone i actually like ever hung out with or anything but um 
you know, so no one close to me has committed suicide, so I've never experienced that. And I kind of got it for the first time when she was talking about it and how she wonders why. She wonders if it was this or she wonders if it was that. She wonders if it was something that she did and that not knowing will haunt her for the rest of her life. And, you know, I, I understood that. Like, I got that. You would definitely, like, if it was my daughter, like I, like Ava's who I thought of because she's the closest one to, um, to like, college age. And I thought, yeah, if, like, if she ever, like, I would wonder, was it me? Was it something I did? Could I have prevented it in some way? Uh, so I thought that was an incredibly well-written uh, monologue. And... Then she's talking to him afterwards. He says, you know, I've never shared or anything like that. And she asks him out for a drink, kind of insists. And then yeah. they, they end up having sex. And she gives a little bit more about her daughter. And then it's, this alarm goes off. And she goes over to her computer and opens up Persona, which is another social media thing. It looks like a Facebook type thing in the Black Mirror universe. And she says she's trying to get her her daughter's password because they won't give it to her even though she's her mom and she has killed herself. And I've heard about things like that with Facebook. That's a, mm-hmm. you know, like people will die. Cause I've known other people that have died in different circumstances. Mike and I, you know, like Mike, uh, you know, there's been people that we've gone to school with that have died. I don't know if you know, I found this out the other day that Mike Duchesne died. Did you know that? Yeah. I found that out uh, a while ago. Yeah, I'm not sure what happened there or or why, but uh, or how he died. But uh, his his dad said it was like a long illness, so I'm not really sure. Yeah, but uh, so you know, like they still have social media accounts. They still have Facebook accounts, and a lot of times, you know, people don't know the passwords, and they can't they can't shut it down. It just basically becomes a living shrine to that person, and it is sort of a weird little area of facebook of you know people that are no longer alive that just have these active accounts because it's so hard to get into them and facebook just basically doesn't allow people to get into them so that's definitely something that's you know applicable to our real world and she can't figure out the password and then we kind of move on with the episode where he's sitting outside the the building again and picks up this young black man in a suit and he's going to the airport, he's going to Heathrow Airport, and he's got all these bags and everything. And he asks him if he works at Smithereen, and he says yes. So he, as they're driving along, he, you know, the guy's on his phone and everything, and he says that, you know, there's a, been an accident, you can see on the app that there hasn't been. And he says, it's rerouting me. It's, it might be a little twisty, Rudy. You know, he, it's clear he's going to do something with him. I said to Carol right away, I'm like, he's killing this guy for some reason. <laughs> and he pulls in underneath a, a bridge with another car there, pulls a gun on the guy, tells him to put these zip ties on his hand and get in the other car. Now, here's a question I have. Why do you think, obviously, the 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 plan didn't go as he wanted it to but why do you think he was switching cars like what do you think the point of switching the switching the cars was hmm that's a really good there question. was no point to it at all cuz i can't think of any reason there's there's no reason for you know him to be suspected of anything the only thing i could think of is that his car and his license plate and everything might have been 
hooked up to the app that he was using, the rideshare app. And if the guy went missing, they might be like, oh, look for this, this car. But as we find later, he bought the profile on the dark web. So why would it have any of his information? To me, the reason to do that, to buy something like that on the dark web, would be so that your personal information, including your car, wasn't hooked up to that uh, that thing, your license plate, that it's hooked up to some other license plate that's that's not yours. So, I mean, barring that, I can't see any reason why they switch cars other than it, it allows the guy to drop his cell phone, which right. then allows them to trace his cell phone and get the information that they, they need on him. So, I mean, I guess that's the only, like, practical reason why it happened. Well, you know, I think... Two, it, it kind of showed us something about his character then. Like, like I said, I, he's not going to kill this guy, and it became evident right then because he actually cared when he was claustrophobic. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to kill someone, you're not going to give a crap. Let him freak out in there. Yeah, and, and that was his undoing, I guess, in, uh, in this episode was that he cared about, about the guy. But, uh, yeah, so they you know he puts him in this other car, puts that bag over his head, the guy starts getting sick. And not laying down in the back seat like he wants him to. And some police see him, and he tries to outrun them, gets uh, caught up in this field, and that's where we finally figure out sort of what's going on with his plan, is that he wants to talk to Billy... I can't remember his last Bauer. name. Bauer. Billy Bauer, yeah, good job. Billy Bauer, uh, who is, we quickly learn, is the head of, or the founder of this smithereen company, and... I mean, I figured it out pretty quickly at, at this point that someone that he knew close to him died because he was in that support group, obviously, and that he wanted, he wanted, um, you know, or that he thought that this that this guy, this Billy Bauer guy, was in some way responsible. Mm-hmm. And what I thought was gonna, I, what I thought it was gonna be was that someone else was looking at this, their phone or whatever when they got into a car this car accident but it turned out to be him. So they go through all this stuff. There's a lot of, you know, he goes from an HR lady to the COO of the company to eventually they contact this Billy Bauer guy played by Topher Grace from that 70s show fame. And he um, you know, they they're debating whether or not they should allow they allow um you know, Billy Bauer to talk to him. Because of, you know, I mean, I guess I kind of get what they're saying. Uh, The social media company gets the FBI on the line and helps that it has them, you know, uh, be a liaison between them and the local police there. And it kind of shows the power of the social media stuff and everything they can find out about you because... The, the COO and the social media company are able to find out all the stuff about this yeah. guy before the police do, before the FBI do. And they kind of have all the information on him. And anyway, so they, um, you know, they, they're debating this. And like the F- FBI guy agent points out, um, you know, for all we know, as soon as as soon as he gets you on the phone, he's going to kill this guy. That that like that's kind of part of his plan. And I guess I kind of see that. The COO is worried that they're going to try to extort money. And they we find out that Billy Bauer is in the middle of a 10-day silent retreat where he is in nowhere, Utah, 
which yep. Carol and I have driven through before <laughs> to get to Las Vegas, and it is the most desolate place in the country. Um, but he's there in a glass house for some reason. I don't understand. Some this. kind of torture. I mean, yeah, he's in a know. glass house in the middle of the Utah desert, and um, he, uh, you know, he's he's not communicating with anyone. No phone. No computer. He's totally kind of off the grid for 10 days, and he's six days into it, and she doesn't want to disturb him is part of it. But they bring him a satellite phone, and he's talking to him. He's like, yeah, I want to talk to the guy. And when the FBI agent says that, says that for all we know, he's going to kill him as soon as he gets on the phone. He's like, yeah, I don't get that feeling, <laughs> which is a kind of a funny line. Um, and then he, uh, you know, eventually... He, he does talk to him on the phone and he tells him his story that his that his his wife or his fiance and him were driving and you know he was like addicted to his phone addicted to this app had to have it all the time had to look at it all the time and they were driving on a road and he was bored she was asleep so he looks at it he looked at his phone because somebody you know liked a comment that he made on one of their pictures a dog picture. So he looked for like 10 seconds, he said, and that was enough time for the, you know, him to hit this other car. And the driver of the other car was drunk, also got killed. His fiance got killed and it was eating him up inside because everyone, you know, they blamed it on the drunk driver. The guy was drunk. So they said, Oh, it was the drunk driver's fault, obviously. And he felt like a fraud because everyone was comforting him Everyone felt sympathy for him, and he knew he was the one that was responsible for this. And it was the only, you know, this was the first person that he unburdened himself to. And he basically, you know, said, why do you you make it like this? Why do you make it so addictive and and everything? Mm -hmm. He kind of blames him, but also, like, he takes personal responsibility for it. Like, it's very clear that he knows it was his fault but he also kind of blames him as maybe like an accessory or something like right. that to to this murder, which, I mean, I get that they make social media addictive. And the guy says, I don't know if this is true or not, but uh, Topher Grace's character says during the episode that there's a whole department that works on how to make it addictive, how to hit the oh, dopamine oh, yeah, center sure. of the brain and stuff like that. Which, you know, obviously is not really something you, you should be doing. But I'm a big believer in people taking personal responsibility. Like, you don't have to become addicted to anything. You can, you can, you know, like with the social media stuff, you can use willpower to to not use it. To not look at it while you're driving. You know, and stuff like that. People yeah. shouldn't do that. So, I, I don't really think that, like if someone gets into a car accident... Because they were looking at Facebook and they kill somebody. I don't think Facebook should be legally responsible, nor do I think that Mark Zuckerberg should feel a moral responsibility to that death because it's the per- it's in the person's own control to not look at their phone while they're driving. Well, yeah, it's the same thing as if somebody got in an accident because they were eating a freaking cheeseburger with the opiate cheese. I mean, right. You know, it's not McDonald's fault that they couldn't multitask yeah it's, yeah i agree there's a lot of interesting like ideas in this one i think um because like really it's almost like you, you could even take it as like a loose interpretation of the uh 
opioid crisis. Like, you know, you could say like, well, these, uh, you know, they weren't making these to be used in a, a poor or even illicit way. But I mm-hmm. mean, you know, just, it just so happened that people got hooked on them and they had to keep, you know, getting more and more of them. Yeah, that, oh man, that, that throws a monkey wrench into my thought process then a little bit. Because, I mean, I do feel like the pharmaceutical companies were predatory in their and criminally negligent in oh for and i think several the, they're being sued by several states at least the ones involved in like you know really popularizing opioids and a lot of doctors are being like you know arrested like uh locally around here in warren there is like three doctors arrested for prescribing like it was like a ridiculous amount like, of opioids like it's just like even like a layman like myself would say you know that's way too many i don't think you need that yeah exactly but yeah, so I mean, it, I don't know. It does. It's it's a fine line to walk, I, I suppose. Um, but to me, this this episode, uh, you know, at least surface level, and like you said, there are lots of interpretations and a lot of ideas in this episode. Surface level is basically kind of put down your phones. I mean, that's right. the that's the you know the baseline of people look at their phones way too much. They're into their phones way too much. Yeah, but it seems it's like the whole episode was like written based off like a meme I see on Facebook from like a you know seventy year old like grandmother like oh kids these days are always on their phones. Yeah, you know it's funny when Carol and I was talk we're talking about this. I said you know I'll bet you that we had this that human humanity had this conversation pretty much any invention of technology. I was like, once the, the TVs came around in the 50s, people were probably like, oh, people are eating tea, eating dinner in front of their TVs now. They're not spending time with their family. They're not talking to their family. They're just mindlessly sitting there watching uh, oh, sure. TV together. Or I even went farther back. I was like, when, when books became really available, I was like, oh, we're not sitting around the fire anymore. You know, you're not, you're not, you're not oh, giving yeah, that sure. personal, uh, that personal connection of telling that story to the person. They're just solitarily in a book, you know? Yeah. If you, if you look not even too hard, you'll see like a picture of like, you know, it's like someone made where it's like, oh, people are always on their phones. But then it cuts like a bunch of people on the subway, like in the thirties mm-hmm. and they all have like a, you know, a New York times unfold in front of their face. Yeah. Like, you know, they're not socializing or talking to each other. They're just like looking at, you know, the newspaper. So really what's the difference? Yeah, yeah, I guess. I feel like right now, and this is why I told Carol, and I, you know, I mean, I don't know shit, so I could be wrong, but, uh, but I feel like we're in a transition period right now. I feel like in the fifties, probably people did go like nuts about television and, and, you know, watched a lot and maybe some, you know, personal connections suffered a little bit, but then eventually the tech, the wow of the technology kind of wore off and people got back to just being people again. And I think right now with all the technology and the internet and all the apps and social media and everything that's going on, I feel like we're just in that transition period. I feel like, you know, 20 years from now, 30 years from now, it could easily, and I mean, maybe they'll come up with stuff that's even more, you know, that like, just keep wowing us, maybe. But I feel like eventually, you know, the, the not the novelty, because I think the internet will always be around, obviously, and everything, but the the obsession with it, I think, will maybe wear off a bit. And um, and people will just kind of go back to, to being people again, like they always have. And like you said, Mike, I when people are on the subway or people are in their car listening to a podcast, hopefully, uh, fingers crossed, <laughs> you're listening to a podcast, um... That, uh, you know, 
people have always done that. Like, how many, you know, go go on the D, tra- D train to get into uh, Brooklyn in uh, New York City and see how many people on that train you want to talk to. How many people you want to socialize with. You know, yeah, people so, have like an... Um, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry, go ahead, Carol. No, please. Uh, well, just speaking of the subways and stuff, I had to take the people mover in Detroit to get to work for several months. Mm-hmm. And at first, I was just shocked that there were signs on the people mover warning people to pay attention to the route and look up from their phone. Don't miss your stop. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, who would do that? That's ridiculous. Of course you got to pay attention. Yeah, I wrote it twice one day because I missed my stop because I was looking at my phone. <laughs> you know, I like to think I'm above it, but none of us are. No, no. Yeah, humans have like an unlimited craving for simulation. Yep. yep. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's always been that way. Uh, I think I'm pretty sure Black Mirror is still produced in the UK. I could be wrong on that. Yeah, um, I think so yeah. But I think another. I think this is actually a pretty, you know, uh, definite reference to the uh, whole Pierce Morgan and whatever paper he worked for scandal, where they like were able to unlock people's phones, you know, and they and they got access to the voicemails before like the police. Yeah. Like there was like a girl that was like missing, and then like they the the I I, I don't know the paper, so I'm not gonna you know I'm not one to slander people, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> We stay but, away uh, from that. Whichever one it was, it was like a tabloid paper, and like they had somehow gotten the you know the the voicemail code to her phone, so they had access to her phone, you know, before the police were able to. Mm-hmm. And so the mother thought it was like, oh, good, you know, she's alive, so she checked her voicemail. But you know, the woman was actually Aww. dead. So I think that's like a a definite reference to that too. How like you know, companies like almost have like a better you know speed, and not almost. I mean, they certainly could. I mean, Facebook or Twitter. They could check, you know, they could check their status and they could see where someone's up to, you know, before the police ever could. Yeah. And really, it's probably even like a reference, like how the uh, with the um, the San Bernardino like shootings a few years ago, where like the FBI re- or the Apple refused to crack open their iPhones. Yeah. Yep. Which I, uh, I I don't know where anyone else stands on this, but I was uh, I was on the side of Apple. <laughs> I know it's kind of an unpopular opinion, but I was like. Yeah, I mean, you know, they have a proprietary technology that, you know, is part of the feature of their company is how secure it is. And, you know, like, I mean, try some passwords, figure it out. I mean, like, I just, I don't know. I was like, you know, or find your information another way. I don't know. Yeah, I, I agree that Apple should have given it up, but I would think they would be able to crack it and maybe give them the info because what if there was like a plot on there that listed like 50 other people that were going to do the exact same thing in a week and Apple didn't, you know, open the codes, but suddenly a week later there's, you know, 50 more massive. Yeah, yeah, I, I think at the time that's kind of what I said too. I was like, well, Apple should just do it and not tell them how they did it and just... Like yeah, I think download, that would have been the responsible thing to do. Yeah, and just da- like download the phone, because you can do that. Download everything on the phone, and just give them a file. Here's all the stuff that was on the phone. Yeah, I certainly don't think they should be forced to, you know, reveal how they encrypt their phones. Right. But, but yeah. yeah, at the same time, it's like, oops. I mean, I wonder I wonder if I wonder if Apple like actually did just go into the phone and see what was on there and then like, oh, it's nothing critical, so we'll let them, you know. Yeah, I wouldn't. I would not doubt it at all. Yeah, I, I mean, because obviously, if what I said, you know, the nightmare scenario did happen, you know, they would just be fucked, right. like you know, publicity wise. 
Oh, yeah. People would have Androids the next day. Because, like, <laughs> I know Apple's got a lot of brand loyalty, but uh, that would be an enormous hit to their, their public relations thing. So, yeah, I'm sure. And, like, kind of like in this in this episode, I'm sure they had COOs and, and legal departments and teams and everything behind them basically saying, uh, hey, you know, here's our, here's our legal responsibility. Here's our liability. So we better make sure that oh, yeah. uh, there's nothing on here. Yeah, all these companies are creepy. Uh, Facebook, Twitter, we can find our podcasts. I mean, they just, uh, they're just like super invasive. Like Google, I think, is actually like, they do some really like shady things with the country of China where they like allow them to like set up like this like firewall that, you know, prevents their citizens from like finding like the truth about what the Chinese government's up to, you know, this within a week of the anniversary of the Tiananmen uh, Square massacre. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And that, that's, that's another thing too, you, you know, with the Google stuff that you're talking about, cause I read about that too. And it's like, at that point, are you, aren't you kind of complicit in the, uh, yeah, you're hundred I mean, you're, you're doing it solely for profit. Yeah. And they're like an unofficial motto is don't do evil, but they're working with a, a government that by a lot of, you know, a lot of criteria is evil, and, and especially as far as what they allow their citizens to do and not do. I mean, so they're, they're complicit. I mean, obviously, the Chinese are going to analyze all the internet traffic and find this podcast and probably do hits on us in the future. But I mean, it doesn't make it <laughs> true that they're not complicit. Right, exactly. Um, Our complaints about Google, not China. Right. Just for the record. But yeah, we, uh, we don't generally talk about politics or you know we talk around politics when we get around those subjects uh, on this episode but i think i can speak for all of us when i say we're all pro freedom um you know and and china isn't i mean that's just that's just a fact this whole segment was just a satire by the way yeah exactly if anyone uh if when I make the video, a uh, little, little one minute video I do of, of this, I'm going to have the Prophet Muhammad <laughs> part of the. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I know that's a different country, by the way. I'm not ignorant as to what China believes. I know I've seen Forrest Gump. I know they have no churches and uh, and no religion. What? Officially. <laughs> yeah. The, don't you remember that scene in Forrest Gump where he's talking to John Lennon? And uh, he's like, oh, what was it like to chi- in China? And he's like, uh, oh, people don't have anything. He's like, no possessions. Yeah. <laughs> and he's like, that I was, remember. in retrospect, that is the cheesiest and lamest part of that movie. <laughs> uh, but so on to the final episode. Uh, the most fun episode, I would say, yeah. of, the, uh, of the three episode season. Uh, oh, what was it called? I think it was. Oh, it had a weird name because it was. It's like three people's names. Yeah, uh, Tony or something. I don't... Yeah, it was. It was the three girls' uh, names, but it was. Um, what's her name? Amanda too, or? I don't know. You know, I'm not good with names. It was like Amanda O, I think, or something like that. We're just gonna go with Amanda. If you've watched the episode, and if you haven't, you're a fucking ma- madman for uh, listening to this spoiler-filled episode. Right. But if you if you watched it and it was something other than Amanda, you're wrong. It's Amanda. Rachel, <laughs> Jack, and Ashley too. Ashley, that's what it was. Okay. Ashley. Which is a nickname for Amanda. Right. Exactly. So, uh, so yeah, Ashley, Ashley O is played by Miley Cyrus. Um, I'm not a huge fan of Miley Cyrus. I don't listen to any of her music, obviously, because I'm not a girl that was born in 2004, but, um, can can I say that I uh, hate Miley Cyrus and her entire family? (laughs) 
Freedom of speech, not one, Mike. Not one good thing has come out of that entire family. I mean, the basis of the pyramid of the Cyruses is Billy Ray Cyrus. Mm-hmm. I mean, come on, who likes? And I don't know her mother, but like, I think she has a sister that's also trying to like be like a. a I guess you could only say entertainer because you can't say they're a musician or an actor because they're shitty at both of those things. Yeah, I really, uh, I mean, Mike and I are both musical people. Uh, Obviously, we're not famous for that. We're famous for podcasting. But, um, you know, we both we both play instruments or have played instruments. And uh, it kind of irks me when they call people like Miley Cyrus or Britney Spears or Beyonce musicians because they're, yep. they're not. They might be good singers. That's Yeah, yeah she's actually pleasure. a very good singer, which really annoys me because, uh, <laughs> as I said, I hate her and her entire fucking family. <laughs> but they're not musicians because they don't play instruments and they generally don't write their music. They don't, uh, they don't write their lyrics. Most of them don't know how to read music. Uh, so in any aspect of it, you can't really call them musicians, but yeah, that kind of irks me when, when they do that. But Miley Cyrus was surprisingly good in this episode. And surprisingly uh, is a key term here because she's a terrible actress as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I hate her. I, I, I just like everything about their family. Like there's a family in our neighborhood that I just despise. Like they're the enemies of our family. <laughs> and even though I don't know this, like the Cyruses or whatever, they're, I don't even know if this is a real name. I mean, whatever. Right. I don't care for them either. They're just like, if they lived in my neighborhood, they would be my enemy family. Oh my God. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know if, uh, I don't know who directed this episode or if, you know, I know Charlie Brooker is the showrunner, the, uh, the term that Mike and I both hate that we know, but, uh, you know, he created it and I know he's the showrunner. So I don't know how heavily he is involved as far as, you know, kind of with the actors and, and things like that. But whoever is in charge of that did a excellent job and probably usually does an excellent job because generally the acting is very good on this episode. But like you said, Mike, she's generally not a good actor and she was really good in this episode. Um, and I have to, the, I have to credit the uh, the people that work with the actors on uh, Black Mirror for that. But she plays basically kind of herself. Uh, she plays a pop star uh, called Ashley O that wears a wig <laughs> and uh, and sings vapid, stupid pop songs. But in reality, she wants to sing darker, more gritty songs. Uh, spoilers. For the entire episode, obviously, but she actually does become a musician, what I would call a musician, at the end of the episode. And in the episode, she actually does write her own music and lyrics. So she's a little bit more credible than I think the real Miley Cyrus is. So isn't the the lyric she writes actually a cover of the uh, Nine Inch Nails song, Head Like a Hole? <laughs> the lyrics are written by her, but yeah. The yeah. music definitely is. No, the the, mm. the the lyrics are too. Like the, the song that she plays at the end is just oh. Head Like a Hole. but It's a cover, yeah. I think. Yeah, oh, oh for sure. But um, the other, you know, quote unquote original songs in the in the episode, she seems to to be writing like that one kind of angry song that she's composing. She's she's writing it. So, it, and part of the episode is them getting the songs out of her head. So you know, oh yeah, that was messed up. So you know, I she does write her her own original material, but yeah, it, it does kind of disappoint me that they didn't just write an original song and, and instead just did had like a hole at the end of the episode. They really should have 
put put some work in and even like a not great original song I think would have had more of an impact than just doing a cover of that Nine Inch Nails song. Yeah. But she, um, you know, it becomes clear. Uh, I guess I'll just go with Miley Cyrus's character, Ashley O, uh, for, for now, even though that's not the beginning of the episode. But she uh, she's doing a, a interview, and it's really clear that her aunt is kind of micromanaging her, her career. And she, you know, like she's driving in her limo after this appearance. She seems very, like depressed and, and everything it's clear that she's she's not happy with her life uh and how it's going so the the other two uh girls in the episode are uh you know two normal girls that are living with their dad who's trying to create the better mouse the, the you know making the better mouse trap um you know he doesn't want mice to be killed so he's making he's trying to make something that is humane to get rid of mice. What he comes up with is one of the stupidest things I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> but as far as making a better mousetrap goes. But uh, anyway, that's what he's trying to do. And he, um, you know, so they're living there and, and we find out that their their mother died uh, of an illness a few months back and or a couple of years back, something like that. And the little, the, the younger one is super into Ashley O., the older one is into music that her mother liked, uh, you know, kind of Nine Inch Nails, Nirvana. I, what else does she mention? I don't remember Soundgarden or something yeah, I like think that. So. Um, you know, sort of the '90s grunge stuff. And uh, so they have a disconnect between them. They're not really talking to each other or anything like that. And uh, in this interview, we see that they've created these Ashley Twos, which are little robots that are equipped with Ashley's personality and you can talk to it. You know, you can ask it questions. It'll sing to you. You know, it's, it's basically, it's a little, a little AI robot and she wants one. So she gets one and it's like her only friend. Oh. Yep. That's really, they call them cookies, not eggs. Yeah. That's, that's like right. their term. Yeah. But yeah, she, um, she gets one and you know, she starts getting obsessed with it. And talking to it all the time. It's like her only friend. Uh, it convinces her to do the talent show at school and dance to one of uh, Ashley O's songs, which she doesn't dance great, um, which, you know, it's believable that uh, a 15 year old would not be able to learn, you know, uh, this choreography or whatever, or just not have the natural rhythm to really carry it off. But she also accidentally knocks over the stool and at the very end of the song and really, you know, embarrasses herself. And as they're driving home, she's like, I've disappointed Ashley too. <laughs> like she really t treats it like it's a, like it's a real thing. Yeah. A real person. And so her sister hides it from her, puts it up in the attic. At, at one point I was like, why is this happening? Like, why is, why isn't she just throw it away? Why is she hiding it? But then it becomes clear why. It's very quick. The explanation for why it's important that it's hidden is very quick. But I picked up on it. Um, so we go back to Ashley and she. we learn that the they have a doctor on staff. And her mother, or not her mother, her aunt, who's her manager, and this doctor and some other hanger-on are controlling her through some sort of mind control medication. Yeah. And... 
they, you know, because they want her to be this pop star and she doesn't want to do this anymore. So she, um, she sees that Ashley has not been taking her medication is, you know, gathering evidence against her to try to, um, you know, break away from her. And instead what she does is she poisons her food with all the medication so that she goes into this coma. They put her in this coma and they hook her up to another San Junipero uh, type technology where I don't know if you know anyone remembers, but back in San Junipero, they were able to talk to people in comas because they had this weird interface with them where they could read their brainwaves. So it's like kind of the beginning of that technology and they can see the music that she's making or that ha- that she has in her head and they have some way weird way to extract it and everything they have a, a virtual mixer and, and all this stuff and so they're they're you know getting this stuff away from her and they're creating a holographic performer which they is something that they have now that they've done with Tupac and they've they've done with a couple other uh, Michael people Michael Jackson Yeah, a couple other uh, performers that are dead. They've uh, created these holographic you know, performers of them. And, you know, that's their big plan is to, I guess, do one more album. I, I don't know what their plan is, how long they're planning on keeping her alive or whatever, but uh, to do one more album. And so, the, you know, that that's the, the plan that they're doing there. And how did, how did they, how did she get Ashley 2 back? I'm trying to remember. Hmm. Why she gave it back to her. I... I don't remember why she gave it back. I just remember that when she did, it ended up on a shelf. Oh, yeah. That's uh, that's one of the things that um, she uh, she didn't talk to her for, like, months. Yeah. Because this is another one that goes into the future, like, a few months. And she didn't talk to her for, like, months after she took it. And then they found out that Ashley went into a coma, and that's when she gave it back to her. Oh, yeah. And that's when the news story gives the reason real quick why it was hidden away. Um, Because all the other ones had been recalled because of some sort of battery issue. And you can see them all being destroyed. It's clear the ant destroyed all of them because she knew that they would possibly be a threat to her. So, yeah, they uh, she gives it back to her. And, you know, they say on the news, you know, when's Ashley going to wake up? And that was the phrase that gets the robot to wake up. So the robot wakes up and it's watching the news of the story of her, you know, the actual Ashley in a coma and everything. And it's trying to get away. It's trying to, you know, whatever. It's trying to do something. And the girls, you know, the, the dad's away at some sort of conference, I guess, or something. I don't know. They never really say. But he, um, or they, they grab this doll and the doll kind of like freaks out and shuts down. So I go downstairs, and this is, I think, why the dad is doing stuff with the uh, the mousetrap things. Because for some reason, he's got this device that can track the neuronal activity of mice, I guess. And he's creating a mouse that can tase the other mice, like just... Kind of follow a different mouse, tase it, and then, you know, someone can come and pick it up and, and you know, put it out in the, uh, in the in a field or whatever. Such an incredibly stupid idea. 
Yeah. I mean, they they have mouse traps that are just cages. Yeah, that that works better. I think I read somewhere that some people killing the mice. Right. I think I read somewhere that people speculate that the whole mouse trap thing was just like a reference to you know Disney. Oh, that's interesting. Since you know it's like a, it's, and a lot of people were saying it's like I've never seen like a Disney movie, but they say it's like a lot like a dis like a Disney channel kind of movie like the vibe like i've never seen one my kids thankfully aren't really into disney that much right yeah i can see that i can definitely see that obviously much darker but yeah i can kind of see that um but yeah so they they hook this thing up to the to the the little robot and there's this big red spot in its brain and somehow they know how to unlock it i don't they they really rush through this part but they unlock it, and I guess it was a restrictor. And <laughs> instead of doing some sort of AI with a basic personality of Ashley in there, they just downloaded her entire brain into this computer because that was easier in some way. And then they put a restrictor on it so that most of the personality was just kind of shut off. So this thing now has the personality of Miley Cyrus's character and knows what's going on, knows that the ant probably poisoned her and that she's controlling her, and they, she wants to go there to get evidence uh, against her and everything. So she convinces the girls to take her there. They go there, and uh, she gets uh, she finds where, where Ashley O is in this coma, and she unplugs the machine. Her whole plan the entire time was to disconnect her from life support. But instead of that killing her, it wakes her up because apparently that overdose of drugs only put her in a temporary coma, I guess. And they were keeping her asleep in some other way this entire time. So she wakes up and they, the three girls and the robot, they go to this concert that her aunt's putting on with this uh, hologram thing. Now, there's something with the contract that is not explained. She, she is, on her 24th birthday, she's released from her contract. We know that. Um, and that's what she's waiting for. She wants to be released from her contract. But for some reason, if enough people sign this petition that come to this thing, then that's null and void, I guess. And the hologram takes over. because that, that's, which, is, which is the opposite of real life where petitions do nothing. Right? Right, exactly. But that seems to be what they're trying to say because it's like the ticking clock element of we've got to get here before everyone signs this petition for this hologram or else she's screwed forever. That's the, you know, that's, they're very vague about it, but that's basically what they're saying. So they're running from the police. They, you know, they get there and, you know, they, you know, Miley Cyrus gets out of the car and the aunt knows she's screwed. She looks comically right at the camera, basically, and <laughs> says, oh, shit, or oh, fuck, or something like that. And she, you know, uh, she ends up getting down and, like, she's crying and all this stuff. And um, so then it ends, like we said, with uh, Miley Cyrus and the older sister playing in, like, a heavy metal type band, doing this head like a co uh, whole uh, cover. And uh, she's changed her name to Ashley fucking O. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's clear that the sisters, are, you know, their relationship is is repaired, I guess. And uh, that's kind of where the episode ends. So 
Carol, what, you know, what was your general impression of the episode? Did you like it? You know, what do you think they were trying to say? I, I don't know. I, I kind of liked it. It was fun to watch, but... And it, it was comical, especially the part with, like, the personality when, when the doll got, you know, the actual personality was pretty funny. Right. Um, but, I mean, the whole thing, suspension of disbelief on this one was pretty hard, and there was a lot that was just too much, I think, in this episode. Yeah, I, I kind of, with Mike's point about it being sort of like a Disney Channel parody, like a Black Mirror style of a Disney Channel movie, makes me appreciate it a little bit more, if that's mm-hmm. what they were going for. Because that's, that I think has, has a lot of, you know, like I can see a lot of, yeah, I can see a lot of the connections there because then, um, you know, basically they're making a comment on how all these pop stars, including Miley Cyrus, who come out of Disney, um, you know, my, my original crush, uh, Haley Duff and, uh, or, or Hillary. Hillary Duff. Yeah. Sorry. Um, and, uh, uh, who else? Selena Gomez. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. There was like a period of time where they just kept pumping out, uh, 16 year old pretty girls to sing songs. Ariana Grande, I think. Yeah. I think, I think she was on Nickelodeon maybe. Oh, okay. I mean, it's, it's very si- similar situation, but, um, yeah. Anytime you need someone to mumble a song, uh, go to <laughs> Ariana Grande. <laughs> but, um, anyway, so. Uh, like, you know, I think it's kind of a, 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 a commentary on how that's just a machine. Like, mm-hmm. let's get an image, let's get someone that can kind of sing, that looks good, and just, you know, push out this, this narrative. And that's, uh, I think that's a lot of what it was like. So if you, if you frame it in that, where it's like a parody of a Disney Channel type movie, which a lot of these sing, you know, these female singers starred in. Uh, back when when this was going on a lot more that uh i that makes it a lot a lot richer to me yeah what did what do you think mike i mean i don't know it's you know it's, it wasn't like i didn't think it was a great episode of the show um i don't know it's obviously there's a lot of commentary about various pop stars like you know like the the one who was like you know in a, not in a coma but like you know rendered like you know obsolete by their relative like wasn't it Britney Spears maybe like her dad or something I'm not really sure I think he like has all her money in a trust or something like that yeah yeah that's definitely the various like you know obviously like the pressure of fame and all it's it doesn't uh, doesn't really do much for me again it's like it's like okay I, I see you had a bunch of stuff there but you didn't really make like a solid point to me yeah so what did you think of the season as a whole me, I, I thought it was a pretty weak season. I mean, I'm not the biggest Black Mirror fan to begin with. I mean, there's some episodes I really like. Like, I was really looking forward to the USS Callister one, and it, it did not, you know, fail. It was, like, an amazing episode. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of them, I mean, they're okay. It's like it's just, like, a basically, like, a modern version of the Twilight Zone in a lot of ways. But, unfortunately, it uses a lot of the same, like, stuff that's, you know, now considered a cliche, whereas, like, back in, like, the 50s or 60s, you know, it was, like, you know, a unique kind of spin and twist. It's like, yeah, okay, I get it. Oh, it's not what I expected. Thanks. Right. Yeah. I, um, I thought season four was much stronger than this season. Obviously there's more episodes in season four, so it's maybe, you know, kind of unfair to judge it on that uh, basis. But I, I would say this is probably the weakest season of Black Mirror. I still, yeah, I would say so. I still enjoyed some of the episodes on some level. Um, 
you know, and I don't think Black Mirror is done by any stretch of the imagination. I'm sure that uh, they put a lot of work into that Bandersnatch thing, and I think that that might have to do with uh, this season being not quite as good a- as previous seasons. But yeah, I would probably say it's it's the weakest uh, of the seasons. Season four yeah, is probably my still still my favorite. Yeah, see, even if you included Bandersnatch in this season, which I don't know, I guess it's just like a movie outside of the series. Yeah. I mean, even if you included that as a season, you know, five thing, just due to how much time you said to spend on it, it's it's still the weakest by far. It's like it's like almost like alarmingly bad, like compared to the rest of. The yeah, it's okay. Like you know, all pizzas okay, but <laughs> right. Yeah, I would say that yeah. that's probably the case. Yeah, like the Smithereens episode. It's like it's like how is that even like what is that? It's like a just like a that could be an episode of Law and Order. You know, it's. Mm-hmm. Nothing spectacular. It's not really like the general theme of like, oh, technology. Unless, again, you're like the 80-year-old grandfather. It's like, oh, Facebook. You know, it's making people into, you know, participation tro- trophy-seeking wimps. You know, it's, right. there's really nothing unique or special or Black Mirror-esque of that. Because in my mind, at least, a lot of Black Mirror is just like about, you know, the relationship between humans and technology. But, I mean, it's a, I mean, it's like it's like a story you read, you know, from like, you know, the news. Like, oh, person obsessed with Facebook. It's That's basically, you know, all it is. Yeah, and and I think Black Mirror uh, did a much better job commenting on on social media and things like that in the episode nosedive from uh, from season four, the the previous yeah, season. Yeah, but uh, yeah, Carol, I know you haven't seen every episode of Black Mirror, but you've seen a lot of them. Yeah. What uh, What would you say? How would you rank this season amongst the others? I mean, I agree with Mike that this is the weakest season. I mean, there's only the three episodes. I actually really liked uh, Smithereen. Smithereen. Um, And then I thought the Miley Cyrus one was okay. Mm -hmm. And the one with the video game was pretty bad, so it kind of evens out to me as just, like I said, just okay. Yeah, I would say, you know, it's, like you said, it's kind of like pizza where it's like, you know, the worst season of Black Mirror, which this is by far, is still better than... A, a lot of TV out there, um, but they definitely can do better. And I hope this isn't their last season. Oh yeah. I, I hope they come back for more because they they've done a lot better work in the past. But uh, that is our special episode for well the week, I guess. I don't know. You'll you'll hear us this week too, uh, <laughs> talking about Good Omens. Uh, as always, tell a friend about Massive Late Fee and uh, Retro Late Fee. Uh, go to BigHeadsMedia.com for, uh, you know, some other great podcasts there. Subscribe. That helps us. You know, even if you don't listen to the episode, just hitting the subscribe makes you, your phone automatically download it, and that helps our analytics. Right. So you don't have to actually listen if you hate the show. Just hit the subscribe button. And, uh, I don't know, listen if you want. We, we, we appreciate that, I guess. I don't know. Thanks for having yeah. me on, guys. Oh, for sure. Oh, anytime. You got anything to say to the people, Mike? Uh, yeah, fuck the Cyrus family. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we will see you next time. Bye, guys. Bye. See you next time.